Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Retail Adventures podcast with Kaiser, Bender, and Baum. I am the Baum in Kaiser, Bender, and Baum. And with me, as they are every week, George and Bender and Rich Kaiser. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, great. Hey, everybody. Good. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, Rich is outside right now, and I hear the birds. <laughs> I don't have a beach behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm using the virtual background of a beach because that's where I wish I was. And Georgianne has a blank wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you one of those days, computer, huh? Computer, you know. No, that's usually a another computer. Line. I usually use another computer that allows me to do a virtual background, in which I create some fabulous looking living room that, you know, looks nothing like mine, but not today. That's like the Charlie Brown of back of backgrounds right now. Just a blank gray. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it is gray. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh it's man. It's a cool room, but you know, <laughs> should we get going? Yeah. Yes. What's happening? Oh, today was a big day. So we are recording this on June 16th. Uh, 2020, and the numbers were just released uh, on retail sales, and it was a very exciting number. Uh, we heard some chatter about this. It seemed like some people were doing well uh, within the past month, and that was proven um, that retail sales jumped 17.7% last month, the biggest advance since the government started tracking the series in 1992. Um, you know, awesome. that's an awesome number, right? It's, it's an incredible number, and it just shows that that people are ready to shop, whether it's online or whether it's in stores, you know, as things started opening up, just proves that we like to shop. Yeah. You know, it's an attitude. Uh, you know, I think that people are tired of being sequestered, and they now have a freedom that they can do it. And I, and I do think that they're ready to do it. Um, you know, you, like a caged up animal got, gets out. And all of a sudden, you're able to do what you wanted to do for the last three or four months. And, and truthfully, the stores that are doing it and doing it really well are so focused on seeing that customer um, that it is just outstanding on what some of those retailers have told me about purchases uh, that are unintended. And that's where the real money is made, is that when they walk in for this, but they buy this and this and this because it is un unintended, but it was presented well, or there was a great service person uh, that gave them that reason. So yeah, I mean, if, if we're a retailer that's ready, we're going to do pretty good right now. Impulse shopping. You know, I am a, uh, I love to shop and I'm a brick and mortar shopper. And because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to leave my house. So I've been you know, buying things online, but I haven't really been shopping like I normally do because I don't and haven't really understood where things are going to go with the pandemic and, you know, trying to con conserve cash like everybody else. But now that I can walk into a store and walk through and I have my mask on and, every, and we're in Illinois, so it's required and everybody who works there has their mask on and and I'm good about that. And I'm, I'm excited to go, I, you know, what? I, for me, looking at a, at a, at a picture on a website, if that's the only means I have to buy something, I'll do it. But for the most part, I want to go into a store. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a retail expert like you guys. 
uh, I'm on my way, but, <laughs> but I am not an expert. Um, but I am a great shopper. And I have been noticing so many things now since we started this podcast, just in general about retail. And I have to like say, what? Uh, well, you know, just the little things like we talked about customer service last week at my, with my experience at Lowe's and, you know, the trust level and, you know, whether someone's going to come back and all those things are very meaningful, even though they might be little experiences in the long run, um, you know, they're lasting and it has a big impact, especially right now when you're coming out of something like this or you're still in something like this, but a little bit uh, more lax than it had been. Uh, it's really important to deliver on the things that you promise. And uh, I have to say, it felt really good this week uh, in New Jersey. They started easing back on some things. I got out of the house. I wore my mask. I socially distanced. I went places, even like just dropping off a box to have it shipped at the FedEx place. I mean, I God, it felt good. <laughs> the drive through at Dairy Queen. <laughs> right? It just felt good. Little things. Rich and I had a, had a coaching call this morning with one of our retail clients and she was talking about she lives in um, she lives in up with in Wisconsin, kind of near the the Minnesota border, and she was talking about how she went into her local grocery store. And now Wisconsin's not one of the states where you're required to wear masks when you shop, but she was talking about going in there and how the carts weren't being sanitized like they had been two weeks ago, and and there weren't people wearing masks. And she said, you know, I was a little bit hesitant to go in there. So it does come back to the trust that you're talking about, Jason. Our listeners, retailers, you cannot, you cannot let up with the sanitizing and the wearing the masks and requesting customers to wear them and, and social distancing, because this is where right now where you're building a perception about how well you care about the people who shop in your store. Honestly, if they don't have it, I'm not shopping there period, period, because I don't feel safe and it's so much easier to just do it online safely, but I want to be out, but I want to be out safely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if you think about it, it's all about the service you rendered and the position you take with those customers when they come to you and merchandise is a secondary issue and, and somebody's going to want to shoot me over this, but I'll tell you why I say that that I went to dinner and I really wanted to be in the presence of a lot of people. I need people. And I took my wife out to dinner and we had to sit outside on a terrace and we were told it would be an hour and a half, 90 minutes before we could get a table. That 90 minutes turned into almost two hours, almost three hours. We didn't stay that long. We left it at the three hour mark. And I was really mad about it because I wanted to eat there. But here's the point. The product was there, but the service wasn't. And so if any retailer is listening right now, make sure you understand service will break the elephant's back. Make sure that the people are attentive, they want to do, and they want to work with people, and they want to make it right. And then the product will blow out the door. That was Rich's you know, that cell ring, phone. That Rich's ringtone, yeah. <laughs> it, it, okay, turn it off. It occasionally goes off in seminars, too, and scares the hell out of me. <laughs> well, um, and I was going to say that that bird is now the fourth participant on the podcast this week. On the podcast, <laughs> Our yeah. special guest. You know, Rich, you're talking about customer service in that restaurant. Are you talking about the fact that they told you it was going to be 90 minutes, but it went way beyond that? Or are you talking about the fact that they were only allowed to have a limited amount of tables? Because they can't no, help no, that. No, no, no. It was... It's going to be 90 minutes, and it turned in to be three hours. Now, the point is no one came to me. No one said anything to me. 
So they broke an agreement with me. They promised me that it would be, I, look, people may think I'm crazy. They promised that it would be 90 minutes, but it turned into like 600 minutes or whatever it is. And the point was they never said anything to me, let me out to dry. It was so bad that people were leaving and looked at us and said, I'm so sorry if you're still sitting here. They'll seat you pretty soon. Customers felt bad for me. Yeah, they should only take reservations. But yeah, I can exactly. tell you what, guys, there's no way I'd wait three hours for anything. I wanted to see what was going to happen. And here's the thing. From my studies, <laughs> going out to restaurants, no. I started walking into restaurants and they had signs that said, please understand, the time limit on tables today is 90 minutes so we can service everyone that would like to come in. Now, there's a promise with, with concrete. And it, that worked. So in other words, think about the customer's experience before you think you can give it to them. Because they're coming yeah, not, in hurting, they're coming in anxious, but they want service. I'm not ready to go back to restaurants yet. I'm not, I'm not there yet. But I'm still coming off of, I'm still in kind of hibernation because my daughter had a baby two weeks ago. And if I want to still keep seeing him, <laughs> I can't be out among the public and, and he's worth it. So I'm still hibernating to some extent. There was a, a report about, we're talking about retail sales being up and that's exciting. So there's a report from payments.com, P-Y-M-N-T-S.com. They said 32.8% of shoppers are buying retail goods as much as they did before the coronavirus outbreak, but now they're making most of their purchases online. And I think also because part of that stores aren't open or weren't open. <laughs> they re they re uh, reported that a large chunk of the people who responded to the survey across the generations are not changing their habits online. 64.1% of Generation Z respondents said they haven't made shifts in their online routines during the pandemic. Followed by, interestingly enough, baby boomers and seniors at 59.9% and Generation X at 58.2%. No mention of the millennials. I also think it's cool that they, that, they, that they broke out baby boomers and seniors. Seniors being people of retirement age and better who are retired. You know, Tim, Tom Brokaw called them the greatest generation. Rich and I call them the Lomlots which means lots of money, lots of time. They can go shopping at 10 in the morning or five at night. It doesn't matter because they're retired. <laughs> I, I've also, this, uh, if you've ever heard of the comedian, Neil Brennan, he wrote um, a few things with Dave Chappelle. He did the Chappelle show back. Um, Love him. Yeah. And he, he had his stand-up special called Three Mics. And he calls that generation the, uh, we did our best generation. Because anytime you ask them, you know, about raising their kids, they're like, well, we did our best. We did our best. They did a good job. <laughs> I mean, look at us. We're the product of that, right, Rich? <laughs> yes, we are. We're dead. Our parents are pretty awesome. Of course, this baby boomer has raised some amazing millennial children too. So, I got that going for me. You're Gen Z. You're Gen X, aren't you, Jason? It depends on who you ask. Yeah, I also heard the term Xennial. X Xennial yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's like the in between. You're close to millennial. Yeah, I don't know what to do with the late '70s, early '80s. They don't really know what to call it. So either you're a millennial, you're an Xer, or you're a Xennial. We just sort of forgotten. We We're a forgotten generation. Nobody cares. That's the we don't nobody care cares. generation. Nobody cares about Gen X. No, Somebody asked cares. us that in a seminar one time, what we think about the people that 
like you in your age bracket. We, I said to him, what's your name? And he said, Mike. And I said, we call them GLMs. He goes, what's that? I said, guys like Mike. <laughs> uh, my, my little sister, I'm a baby boomer, but I'm a, um, there's two, there's actually two parts to baby boom generation. There's the classic boomers who are the ones that people talk about all the time, the oldest baby boomers. And then there are the ones who are, they call generation Jones, which are the younger baby boomers. And there are some baby boomers that are still in their fifties. So I'm Jen Jones. Rich is a classic. I'm, and, uh, I'm the head of the class. It's, you're ahead of the class. It, it's interesting. My sister is a Gen Xer and a lot of what I respond to are the things that you guys respond to. And maybe it's because I spent so much time with her. I don't know. But uh, there are, you know, like overlapping pieces of the generation. Right, Rich? Now, Rich was at Woodstock. That's you true. That? That's true. Yeah. What were you doing at Woodstock, Rich? Green days of mud and music, baby. <laughs> somebody said to us one time, somebody said to me one time, they go, church hand. You're a baby boomer. Did you go to Woodstock and like, you know, roll around in the mud and get naked and smoke dope? And I, I go, no, because I was 10, but Kaiser did. <laughs> I didn't roll around in the mud. <laughs> oh, I didn't smoke dope. Were you naked? No, I don't want to know. I was going to say, I got to watch that documentary on Woodstock now a little closer. See if I can find you. <laughs> And look for Rich, yep. full head of hair, oh, yeah. bad bell bottoms. You wouldn't recognize me. You look exactly the same, except you had a lot of hair. There's silence on that one. Any attitude. Yeah, I was there, Jason. I, we drove out from college. That's cool. Walmart has been busy. I don't know if you've seen the new TV show. It's an eight-episode series on HGD, HGTV called Design at Your Door. Um, it tracks people who make over rooms in their houses during the quarantine. And of course they're making over their houses with merchandise from Walmart. Um, and they receive remote help from professionals. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming it's via zoom professionals like David Bromstad, Tiffany Brooks and Tamara day. And that show is shot by the people in the house. So I'm guessing by, by cell phones. So we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that. And then Walmart also announced this week a new partnership with the e-commerce shopping platform Shopify that is used by over a million businesses. Um, the deal is that they're bringing in 1,200 Shopify sellers to the Walmart marketplace. So it, for those sellers, they're going to greatly expand their reach because Walmart marketplace gets about 100 million monthly visitors. And they're doing that to go after Amazon. I was just going to say, but that's I, really I, smart. I think it's cool though. I mean, you have this big store that forever people didn't like because, you know, they, they, they Walmart came to town and, you know, closed down the independent retailer. And, and, you know, I came out of Ben Franklin stores in the eighties out of their headquarters and, and Sam Walton had been a Ben Franklin store owner, started Walmart. The um, executives at Ben Franklin laughed at him. <laughs> Look where they are now. But it was a big deal. You know, Walmart would come to town and shut down the stores. And now Walmart is turning that into ways that they can help smaller businesses and smaller retailers. And, you know, I think that's good. I like that a lot. It's a giant making giant moves, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, one of the conversations that 
I had a lot on Facebook with my friends were people that, that did you see all the things that went out that said, don't shop at big stores, only shop at shop local, local independent yeah. businesses. Yeah. Shop local, which is fabulous. And we're all over that shop local shop small, whenever you can. But you also have to understand that places like Walmart and Target and Meyer and, and those big stores, they were the ones that were able to get us groceries and, and household goods and toilet paper and, and things like that. The little independent guys couldn't handle that kind of, you know, that, that kind of pe- amount of people coming in looking for things. So, you know, we have to give them a break. And they all, they all stepped up to the plate during the pandemic, and they still are. Wouldn't you say, Rich? I, yeah, I was just thinking about that. You know, it's the small guys, they were really inventive, and they're the ones that figured out that restaurant suppliers would sell to them, and they could pick things up if they couldn't get it from their usual distribution centers. But you had to be really proud of the, really proud of the national retailers out there, the big guys that really did the things that kept everybody spinning. Even Kroger, you know, when they had that signage program and what they did yep. with it. I mean, just amazing that, you know, it was like that their big fraternity and they all came together, certainly all competitors, but they all came together knowing that this was a real issue for the country. And uh, man, I salute them for that. I, I truly do. I I mean, they, they spent a lot of money and they did a lot of things that there's not any return for. They did it for us. And uh, that's amazing to me. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. The other big topic in the news this week was whether or not companies should have a chief health officer. Somebody whose job it is to keep up on all the health information and changes in pandemic and, and pull all that information together and make the right decisions for their employees. My sister works for a bank chain. They have someone not at CEO level. I don't know. I see level. I don't know if you need to be at C level, but they have a director of wellness and that's what that person does, which is good because if we think about the independent retailers that we work with, those guys have, because the States have not said, here's a package of what's happening during Corona and here's updates every week. They've had to pull that information themselves while doing their online stores, while doing their Facebook lives, while running their businesses. Yeah, it's a lot to take in, but if if you're going to take care of if you're going to take care of employees in a lot of stores in a lot of different states, you do need somebody with that information. Yeah, now's a good time to hire someone, even in a consulting fashion, who can go in and and kind of check all the boxes for you on the Pull safety. Pull it together. End. Yeah, to make sure that you're going to have a, a good experience for your customer when they come in and make sure that they're healthy. God yep. forbid someone gets sick and, you know, they pin it back to your store. You know, that's, that's press nobody wants. Well, well you watch. Yeah. I mean, if they pin it back to your store, then you've, you're right, Jason. That, that's, that's a, that's a, you just took a big one right in the stomach and people will be afraid to come because people talk about that. That would be they big, do. big news. Have you been watching, I've been watching on Twitter like crazy every night, what's happening in Las Vegas? Because they opened up the casinos a week or so ago, and not all of them, but most of them, and people are just flooding into Las Vegas. But everybody who works in the casinos are wearing masks. But the 
people who visit don't have to. So there's all these videos of people not social distancing, not wearing masks all over the place. And now there's starting to be, now there's starting to be posts about the people who work in the casinos are getting sick and what's going to happen with that. And the governor is rethinking, you know, whether or not this not wearing masks is a good thing. Um, that's something employers have to think about. Are my, I have to protect the people who work for me. New York has opened up again, right, Jason? Kind of. Uh, yeah, I think New York went to, uh, just started opening up. New Jersey is in phase two, I believe, as of this week um, or, yeah. or going to be on Monday. Um, some more things were open. We actually took my uh, my two and a half year old daughter to uh, a barnyard. We we got to see animals. Everyone, you have to buy the tickets online in advance uh, that morning. They go on at seven in the morning and it is a mad rush to get tickets. They're like $3 mm-hmm. per person and they give you a time window to show up. You get an hour in the barnyard and they keep the maximum to, I believe it's 25 people um, and or 25 families. Um, there weren't honestly not that, it didn't seem like there were that many people at all. They do a great job. You show up, you socially distance on, as you wait to go in. Um, you can buy crackers to feed the animals. And my God, it was like the first living things outside of like her parents that my daughter got to see in three mm-hmm. months. And she was very, very happy. <laughs> hey, Richard, restaurant ought to adopt that. You buy, you, you get a time when you come in. So mm-hmm. you don't have to wait for three hours on the sidewalk. It's called a reservation. <laughs> but you know, take a reservation. No, they wouldn't take them. When we called, they didn't take them. You have to just come in and sign in. That's all you had to do. Oh, and maybe you could take, make reservations three days before for it. Maybe. They're hurting. They need the money. They're going to do whatever so, they can. Going back to Vegas, um, kind of. So Arizona opened up early and they are reporting the biggest rebound in Corona cases. We live in Illinois that has had the largest decrease in cases because our, our governor took no prisoners. (laughs) He's like, this is how it's going to be, whether you like it or not, this is what we're doing. And it worked. You know, there's something exciting uh, that we haven't mentioned and that's vaccination. And they are now going in, getting ready to go into trials. And yeah, I think it's going to be across the United States, but I know it's in Chicago that the uh, two of the biggest hospitals, uh, the, the big boys uh, in Chicago will University be- University of Illinois at Chicago. And, and Northwestern and University of Illinois Chicago Hospital. And they want people from the age 62 up and they're going to be giving them the vaccinations and checking it. But as they said on the news uh, yesterday that I listened to intently, they said they think they've got something really big here. Now there's other tests going in Minnesota, but not at, uh, uh, what's the big hospital up there? It's around the tip of my tongue. Anyway. Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic. It's, I, I don't think it was at the Mayo Clinic, but they're moving it around the country, I guess, with experts to administer and then, and then watch this. So, you know what? There's news and there's hope. And uh, 
Uh, yeah, Johnson and Johnson said yesterday that they were going to to human trials early in July. So they all seem to be moving up their timeline, which is really good news. Yeah. And there's multiple um, multiple companies that are putting <clears throat> them out or hospitals. So that's the other positive because that's what uh, Dr. Fauci said. We're going to need them, and we're going to need more than one. We're going to need a lot. So um, it's they good said, news. Uh, they, the Chicago hospitals looking for a thousand people. You get they're going to divide people into two groups. One group's going to get a vaccine and the other group's going to get a placebo and you won't know who gets the vaccine. Right. And then they have to, 28 days later, they receive an, a second, mm-hmm. a second dose. So yeah. I that's what know. I heard. We might need multiple they rounds. Need, they need a thousand people, Rich. Are you going to do it? <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk more about uh, what's going on. Let's like, talk, Let's talk about, COVID, and yeah. we know how it's, it's how it's affecting people in their businesses. We've talked in the past about how it's affected our business. So, Jason, you uh, you had some changes this week. Yeah, so this is my first week of unemployment. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I am now part of the uh, however many million people that have been impacted by COVID-19 um, and its economic impact. Um, thankfully, at least to my knowledge, on the health side, you know, I did not experience anything or have not so far, knock on wood. But yeah, the economic impact is real. And, uh, and you know, the, the um, AFCI, uh, as, as many people who are listening probably know, you know, I, I had worked there um, for the better part of the past decade. And, you know, due to COVID-19, you know, the, the trade show industry is hurting um, and uh, associations are hurting because uh, it's, you know, when you have discretionary expenses, you're going to choose the ones that are, are necessary in that moment. And people are cutting down significantly on their costs. And we talked about that on one of our, our podcasts and they're choosing wisely. And, uh, you know, right now I don't think people are willing to invest in a trade show and, uh, and the cost, you know, the, the cash flow for many of these businesses just isn't there. And it's truly unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I loved my time there. Um, you know, I met a lot of great people and, uh, you know, as far as my time is spent, you know, I, I am starting to, um, accumulate, uh, clients and I'm, I'm going to be consulting, uh, for the time being, and we'll see how that goes. Um, building up some of, uh, you know, my own, uh, database of, of clients and, and working on that. I know a lot of people in the arts and crafts industry through, uh, basically through the whole supply chain. Um, and right. that's, you know, hopefully that well, will, you were, will be something. You were the, you were the go-to person for that, for that industry. And, and it, we're hearing because you work with us, we are hearing outpours of people who are devastated that you have left. So I, you'll be very, you'll be very successful. You have a, you have a lot of support and you have a lot of great information to share with people. I love um, each one of those people. And, uh, you know, I care very much about the, uh, the industry. I care about all of retail. I care very much about the uh, arts and crafts industry specifically. And, um, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to the future. You know, we can't, you know, I applied for unemployment for the very first time in my life. You know, I was very, I'm very fortunate and I know that. Um, but it was pretty humbling doing that. You know, it's a, it's a humbling experience, uh, filling out unemployment and, and, you know, my wife is unemployed too. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a scary time. It's also kind of exciting. Cause you know what? The future is whatever we want to make it. And that's, that's kind of a, an exciting thing. So you've hung a shingle, you're going to be consulting. 
-hmm. your help that you're connecting you're connecting manufacturers with influencers and designers and retailers and and you've got the connections to do that yeah i mean the whole supply chain i'm lucky enough to know many people in it and it's really just connecting and consulting really helping businesses that might not know what's what what do i need to do next that was like the most common question i used to get right <laughs> and, and and you know a lot of small businesses don't really know especially now how do i navigate through you know these uncharted territories you know i don't have the magic eight ball on what's the future but i know at least people who might be able to help you along the way and i would love to be one of those people to kind of help through this and and going well, forward you you have been through this podcast and some of the webinars that you and Rich and I have done together. And um, you'll continue to do that. Have you picked a name yet? Jason Bauman Associates. Oh yeah. I'm just me. <laughs> Jason Bauman Associates sounds just, good. You got to have the associates part in there. Just Jason Bauman is good for me right now. You got some associates. Um, yeah. So you just, you just mentioned, you know, how everything has changed. So, in case you didn't hear any of our first podcasts, Rich and I, our primary business is professional speakers, and we also do store design and we do consulting. So when this hit big time back in March, we saw a very nicely full calendar close down through the end of July. And for us, what we did was we immediately started this podcast with you, and we started doing weekly retail during and after COVID-19. And and we started connecting with clients and we went out and just started, we started doing coaching calls with retailers and, and just offering our services. You know, there's nothing else going on and nobody had any money. And so we're just offered our services. Now we're seeing, now we're seeing a little bit of change. We're seeing, um, we have a, a, a trade show that's booked in November that's going forward. And we're looking forward to that. We have, um, we're doing virtual presentations and virtual keynotes and, and, you know, it's not the same as having a bunch of people in a room together, but the information is there and they still get to see us via zoom. So you said, you just talked about trade shows a little bit. So mm -hmm. this past month, June, we've seen different, um, markets reopen. So America's Mart reopened. The Dallas market reopened. I think Las Vegas did. Um, and one of our clients sent pictures from the Atlanta market. And, you know, you walk in through a, a tunnel of pipe and drape and you get to the end, you're, you're socially distanced, you get to the end and there's somebody there that takes your temperature and then you go in. And, and it, makes, it makes more sense to open up markets because a lot of their um, they don't have booths. A lot of the, a lot of them are showrooms and showrooms are mini stores. So it's easier to social distance in there and, and to control it. But we have another friend who does major trade shows in the U S and in the UK. And she said that, you know, it's going to be different. There's going to be, you know, 12 foot aisles and 12 feet in between each booth. And it, it's going to be a, a different picture. So you, Jason have been, in that industry for 10 years, what do you see? I see a lot of uncertainty. I see um, people waiting for what are those guidelines going to be. There are, you know, the, it varies by state. 
in the state, it might vary by the city. Um, it really depends. You know, we don't know yet what it's going to be, for example, in 2021. So, you know, these event, events are booked out. Um, you know, most of the events have been canceled um, for the summer. I mean, those, those events are not going through. Um, we just found out today the Nassau Coliseum is, is closing. Um, you know, a lot of the venues are, are hurting. Um, so they're... That's a, that's a convention center? Nassau Coliseum is oh. an arena. I don't think um, we've ever been there. Yeah, it's an arena, but arenas, convention centers, they're all hurting. The hotel industry, it's all hurting. Travel, the the airlines, airlines were up this this year, this uh, this month. It's like eighty. They they were eighty five percent down uh, last month. They were seventy five percent down this month. That's up. We have a <laughs> we have a guest coming on a, on an upcoming um, an upcoming retail adventures podcast. Who's in the travel industry? who recently traveled from LA back to the Midwest. And he's going to talk to us about what's going on in the travel industry and traveling and what you need to know. And so that's an upcoming, an upcoming session because people want to know, is it, is it okay to do that? Is it okay to travel? You know what? I talked to industry peers in the, in the trade show industry. And I got to say they're very up on virtual right now. Virtual's working. It's working well. And, uh, and people are like it, you know, they're not opposed to it. The costs are lower. I wonder what it's going to be like when, you know, I, there's no replacement for the in-person that there's no doubt about that. No, I, I think not. trade shows will always be around. I just wonder to what capacity, because I think that virtual is not going to go away this time. Virtual was popular back in 2008, but they didn't, we didn't really get it back then. Now it's so easy to do things virtually and it's, um, efficient. And, you know, it's, there's low overhead. There's a lot of reasons to do virtual. Um, so I wonder what place virtual will have, especially since a lot of associations are doing it and doing it very well. So that, you know, so the, for so the, clear, the clear winner in all this is Zoom. Yeah, right. I wish I got some <laughs> stock in Zoom. Zoom stock. Yeah. I do think that the uniqueness of the media has a great attraction right now. Yeah. And I think that'll always last. So I can understand why it was so good in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I do think though that the, 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 the power keg lies in the fact that people can see and discuss one-on-one -on -one how it would look, how it would work and what would it mean to me in the store or in, the, in a facility that I have. Um, so I, I, I think the show can never be replaced. But what I do think is that have an excellent partner to a show after the show is over for availability of contact and presentation and purchasing through sites, as you say, like Zoom and this type of thing. So I, I think we're going to see that birth become a partnership. Well, we have talked about a lot this afternoon, and we could go on for another four hours, but everybody has things to do. They can't listen that long. So um, please visit our Retail Adventures blog at retailadventuresblog.com. It's the companion piece to our Retail Adventures podcast. And if you go to our website, kaiserinvendor.com, there are lots of things on there for you to explore. If you go to the top of the page, there's a link to all the different webinars that we have done and jason if you want to bring it home 
Yeah, thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks so much, as always, for joining us on the uh, Retail Adventures podcast with Kaiser, Bender, and Baum. Uh, It's a pleasure, as always, to talk to you for... 30, 40, maybe 50 minutes of your day. Uh, it's, it's always so exciting. Uh, next week, we're going to have a special guest on our podcast. That's exciting. I love when we have guests. Uh, it's also fun when it's just the three of us and whatever bird was in Rich's backyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I just want to say thank you, as always, to, uh, to George Ann and Rich for having me on the podcast. I am in esteemed company, and I know that, and I uh, am so appreciative. And uh, we're appreciative for you. And we hope that this podcast is getting you through a uh, tough time that we're hopefully seeing our way out of right now. Um, And with that, you can uh, find us again, kaiserandbender.com, retailadventuresblog.com. Find us on Spotify, Deezer, Google Play, Apple Music Store, and so many other places wherever podcasts are found. And if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, let's say you love it. Forget like it. You love it. You want to sponsor it. You want your brand out there. We will 100% pump up your brand on this podcast. <laughs> we are, we are yes, shameless we promoters. Will. No, but we really do love everybody. And, and if you are interested in sponsoring, uh, give us a call. Reach out. Uh, what's the email? Email is info at kaiserandbender.com. There you go. Info, Info at, at KaiserAndBender.com. Couldn't be easier. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. That's it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.